Hello and welcome to episode 79 of Hearty Dice Friends. My name's Grant Howitt, this is Chris Taylor, and we're going to answer your video? No. That was the we're wrong kind of video. game. That was the, I was going to say video game questions, but that is a different show which does not exist. Can I, take that one? Can I take that one again? Yeah, if you or should we just pivot? <laughs> <laughs> We're now the world's leading video game audio medium. Hi, and welcome to a video game podcast. Podcast, podcast. <laughs> really whips the llama's ass. Loading podcast. <laughs> hey, it's your boys. <laughs> Coming at you hot and hard. Coming at you hot and heavy. Don't forget to like and subscribe. We've got some great hot tips for all of your favourite games. Like, for example, Chris, you've been playing a lot of the new Call of Duty. Have you got any hot tips to completely own the battlefield? Run and shoot. Whoa. Hot tips, hot tips. I've been either running or shooting. No, do both. but But then, wouldn't I miss? Be a marine, son. Cool. Okay, I'm going to take the intro again. Oh, God, please. I don't ever want anybody hearing the audio clip of me yelling, Be a Marine, son. Mate, it might get put in. I'm, ed- I'm editing this week. Shit, all over it. Uh, I, you know me, I like my cold intros. You do, and I'd, I'd like to point out that um, in previous weeks when I have edited, I have taken out all of the nasty things you said. It's really good, thank you. You've, mm. you've, you've been very... You've, you've kept my brand intact. I have, and I didn't have to. All those things about my extra wives. <laughs> that you bought. And the dog farms. Not puppy farms. Dog farms. Mm-hmm. I get them old and sad. And then work them to death farming yeah. arable land. Yeah, it's really not good. You should use horses. can't work the ploughs, but they try. You should use horses or oxen, you know? A tractor. Track. Dogs run around a lot. Like, like apparently, some people used to herd sheep. That's a waste of a good dog. Yeah. Or you just get another dog and give that the stick and whistle. Yeah. You don't even have to turn up. All we need to do is teach you to say Kumbai, which I believe and means then left. you're halfway to Kumbaya. <laughs> so it can do some rousing some Take, some, some take rousing that dog out of the, the Christian campfire. music circuit. Yeah. Show it who's boss. Jesus, that's who's boss. The lamb. Hello and welcome to episode 79 of Hardy Dice Friends. My name's Grant Howitt and I'm joined as ever by my best friend in this whole wide world, Christopher Edward Taylor. Hello. Hello. That's and we're me. here We're here to answer your role-playing game questions, whether you'd like us to or not. We, pl- we saw each other this week. Physically. Physically. I travelled down to sunny Partridge Green mm. uh, to, see, to see Christopher and his new tiny dog. In a land of whimsy and wonder. Uh, well, a land of trees. And middle class people. Yes. You have a tiny dog. She oh, is. She's too much. <laughs> oh, she's just. Oh my. I can barely handle your tiny dog. She is an absolute sweetheart. But in addition to cooing over a, a little babby dog, we also play some games with each other, which we, we don't did. really do. No. We spend, we spend a great deal of our time making models. Mm. Um, and painting things. Uh, Chris has been getting into Shade Spire of late. Yeah, I've been. I, I put together a kill team for Kill Team, aptly named. Yes, 
And so, seeing as I was down to visit his, his uh, I believe the phrase is Paparino. Mm-hmm. Little Lilith. Um, I, I, I took down my kill team, and we um, took turns having our teams kill each other. Yeah. Which was fun. We play, so yeah, we play kill team, we play Shadespire. We do. I think I Shadespire like is the better game. I do, I do have a quick tip for people who play miniatures games, but don't have mm-hmm. a lot of terrain. Mm-hmm. And, and that is to have a mother who's very heavily into geodes. Yeah, you want to get hold of some weird mums quite yeah. early on. Um, because we made a terrain set. We made a temple. Yeah. Entirely out of crystal obelisks and geodes and candlesticks now, with balls on. Now, the steps were Blu-ray cases. Well, I didn't have can't, any crystals have in that shape. It might just have been a Mission Impossible 4-themed temple. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I to, to to offer a quick reviews of the game. Mm-hmm. Shade Spire is a very clever miniatures war game with lovely deck building um, capacity, and it's ready for tournament play immediately. And I might honestly consider playing in a tournament. Yeah, it's very good. The rules are good, and Kill Team is fun. Kill Team's great fun. The Kill Team is fun. We tell stories with our with our toys. Yeah. I would not want to go anywhere near a tournament game of it. No, no. <laughs> um, it's it's got that it's got that classic Games Workshop vagueness. Yes, and artifacting like Games Workshop rule books for people who maybe just getting into it are just the worst things because they use cut and paste jobs from old editions and forget to take out rules. It is a bit shonky, yeah. Like, the game makes a big show of which way your miniatures are facing in the mo- in the movement phase and then references that in no other phase. Yeah, it literally doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But they mean well, and I got, to, I got to make a silly chaos cult and have and actually have rules to play with it, which was fun, I think. So I like yeah. that. Crucially, and, you got to take a knife to a load of miniatures and glue them back together again in the way yes. you do. yes. And I got to paint some models exactly how they came out of the box. Mm, precisely. You got mm. to, and but like non-games workshop models. You got some of those sexy sister terminators from Raging Heroes because they are actually the best sisters of battle models you can get right now. At present, yes, there are some problems with their hip to waist ratio. Yes. I would I would worry about spinal damage in those terminators. Well, they are empowered so... armor. I think that's Still... the only way they can do it. Yeah, I guess they're just sort of sitting in there. The armor's doing a lot of the work. Just a good-looking face and a tiny little shriveled body. (laughs) But we've also been writing role-playing games, and to keep to keep our to keep our irons hot in the fire and then strike them. Is that the phrase? Our bellies full. Mm. So how about we get down to the meat and biscuits of what this? That's not the phrase. (laughs) No, the pork and potatoes. How about we get down? To the beef and biscuits of what this show is. That mm. sounds like it could be a phrase. Beef and biscuits definitely is a phrase. Oh, but I'm not sure it, I'm not sure it means what you think it means. Well, it's just like, oh, I ran my beef and biscuits. Yeah. Rather than, let's get down to the beef and biscuits of this situation, boys. I reckon you solves me some gold. I, I would have, but it was all a bit beef and biscuits. <laughs> listen, mate. Listen, mate. Beef and biscuits, it didn't work out. <laughs> beef left the band. What phrase can't you use beef and biscuits to replace? Um, um I'm sorry for your loss. Oh, <sighs> beef um, and biscuits. 
Oh, beef and biscuits. And like, yeah, it, it doesn't sound like a sincere. But no. like, I could possibly picture like again an old timey prospector. Um, yes. His yeah. like his like his 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 what one of his friends dies out shot by a a bandit, and he's like, "Oh, beef and biscuits." <laughs> Jiminy Terwilliger is dead. Ah, oh, beans. Ah, oh, beans. My mum's dead. <laughs> <laughs> beef and biscuits. These hills are full of gold. <laughs> I'm um. I don't know how to say this, but beef and biscuits, it's spread to your heart and lungs. <laughs> Chris, ask me a question. I would love to. Ask me a question like you used to, as if for the last time. I will ask you a question like one of those French girls. Mm. Preston Penguin. That's not the voice the French girls use. They're very, very well educated. It's incredibly received pronunciation. Yep. You are aware they have French schools in France, right? What? Yeah. Anyway, go on. Preston Penguin asks, Hey guys, how do you explain or use HP? Please get as frustrated as you want. Thank you, Preston Penguin. <laughs> I do like how oh, we have an out. We can just, you, we're allowed to get frustrated. You've offered us this on a platter. Mm. I don't like hit points. And I'll tell you for why. Please tell me for why. Players are never scared to lose them. Yeah. Like, you can knock off up to half of a player's hit points. That's getting them halfway towards knocked out. And I'd be, okay, cool, that's fine. Yeah. Cool. I've never seen anyone bother. You especially um, treat the loss of hit points with a blasé um, acceptance, which borders on trolling. Because they literally mean nothing. They don't matter. Well, there's only one that matters, right? There's only one hit point that matters. I they're so woolly for a game as uh, for a game that has movement in feet and mm. um, travel in minutes. It seems weird to have a something so strange as like. Well, it's kind of how tough you are. It's kind of how good you are at getting out of the way. It's not how good you are at getting out of the way. Although it is how good you are at avoiding damage, serious damage. So I guess it's blocking, but it's not blocking because that's covered by AC. But it's blocking with a sword, I guess. But that's that's probably yeah, a different I mean, feat. As, uh, as, to add to your examples, this is a game that, where drawing a sword has an an action cost. Yes. And there That's are things that will affect in. that. God, um, imagine and like you can feats. use it as you can draw a weapon as part of a charge action, and mm. then like, and also you'll lose hit points and die if you don't have any. Mm. But what's a hit point? And it's it's also like it's not really dying is the thing because no. like you get those three death saving those three death saving throws, and it's really strange because if 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 you get those three death saving throws and if you fail those, turns out you were shot somewhere fatal. Aside from that, you can pretty much bounce back to full health with very little in the way of um, healing, especially yeah. at low levels. Like you can spend a couple of healing surges, whatever the hell they're called, hit dice now. Uh, I'll always know them as healing surges. Yeah, have a have a cleric rub you. And then you're basically good to go again. Uh, and you were three 50-50 rolls off death. Yeah. And there's exactly. no sort of like, oh, I've been shot in the gut. Right, okay, you need some healing right now, let's do this. I guess that's not what the show's about, so that's not what the game's about. Yeah, I mean, it just show, show is a good It just doesn't, it doesn't, 
I'm trying to think of what it models, of what that, and so like we, like we assume that we're dealing with Lord of the Rings as inspiration. Mm-hmm. I think that's the closest. That's, that's the closest forerunner to Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I mean, it's, we, it's the iconic, isn't it? Yeah. Um, no one's fighting really big monsters with an eye to kill them. No, drive them off, escape, etc. Uh, drive them off, escape, or like. You certain like they certainly duff up Smaug, but it's like oh I I I got I got him in a special spot. Aside from that, no 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 damage really did anything. That isn't a rule in Dungeons and Dragons. The closest thing Dungeons and Dragons has is Monster Hunter. Yeah, which came significantly after Dungeons and Dragons, and so you've got these big old bags of hit points with no real understanding as to what happens when I swing my sword. And it's not oh I'm going to try and harm this guy with my sword. It's I'm going to make an attack with my sword. This is one swing against this guy. Mm. Like it expressly doesn't have a feint in it. If I want to feint, then I have to take that feat. It's me running up and bonking this guy with a mace. So, Monster Hunter World is actually an interesting thing to look at with regard to hit <coughs> points, mm-hmm. because it does two things really interestingly. One is Go it on. does not explicitly show monster health. No, it doesn't. Does there it? is no health bar. If it's if the monster is limping or had something broken off, you know that you have caused damage to it. I really right? liked bloodied. Mm. As a as a as a thing which came in in D and D, and the monsters had stages. But go on, I, I did love that as well. Mm. But also, it in that system, it tells you how much damage you've done. Like there's but damage not how numbers. much is remaining. Yeah, there's damage okay. numbers that pop up, so you can go well it, with my last bit of gear. I did a hundred damage there. Now I'm doing 120. That is an upgrade. Mm. So that's good. To what? You like, got a what percentage yeah. of that? Well, like, you don't know that much, but hopefully... But, like, you know this number is higher than that number. Yeah. And you and, and then and then you can sort of, with some very fuzzy algebra, see, oh, it's taken me about this long to hit this guy, so, I'm, so I, I need to get my DPS up so I can take him down before I run out of hit points, etc. Yeah. And, like, I think there's, there's one game that uses hit points that I love. Um, I love the way it does it. But it does it in such an ass-backwards way that it's so difficult. And that's... Trail of Cthulhu, Isoterra's the gumshoe system. Mm. So let's say you've got 10 hit points. Mm-hmm. Um, when you lose all of those 10 hit points, nothing happens. Yes. When you get to minus 5, something happens. You start, basically, you start going into danger. Yeah, you start... Um, I think I think when you're at zero, something happens. Then when you're at, when you're at yeah. minus five, something serious happens. Yes, but it's interesting that it kind of accidentally paints the idea that the the positive numbers of hit points aren't you getting hit, mm. because it's only when you get taken to negative numbers that being hit makes any sense. And, but I think it's still health. It's not luck. It's not dodge. It's not um, like you're you're losing these from being from being shot at. Not mm. from like parrying blows in a fight. No, I do. I do understand that, um, but I think but, there's. But an it is, it's a fun way because 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 you can gamble health. Yes, and also there's this thing of hit points is just the word in the vocabulary. Mm. Or and also just points. just to answer a related question that was also asked of us, it's hit points, not health points. What about higher purchase? That's entirely different. Or Hewlett Packard hearty points. Mm, we should start doing those. What does the HP stand scheme. for in HP source? Heavily potent. Go on. <laughs> That's it, heavily potent source. Did you know HP source and daddy source are made by the same people? Really? Yeah, it's all a fucking conspiracy, man. Is there 
a Holy Ghost source for the full Godhead? Um, presumably. It's probably a gentleman's relish of some kind. Fair. Or whatever whatever one they have up in Sheffield. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, They've, the well, North. Like, well, like, they've got some sort of thin, like, thin Worcestershire-style sauce they put on chips up there. What? Yeah. And it's like, it's like a, just a normal fucking thing they do up there. There are two acceptable toppings for chips. Salt and vinegar. Mayonnaise. Right. And salt. Well, it's barbecue. Barbecue's nice. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah, I mean, mayonnaise is better. Anyway, look, this is, we're not a mayonnaise podcast. We are not. Yet. yet. Um, so so yeah so actually let's let's get back to Preston's original question how do mm-hmm. you how do you explain or use hit points? Let's so well, so we're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Someone um, someone takes five damage. What is that? So generally speaking, the way that I do it is that that is that has hit you, mm-hmm. that has impacted you in some way, and then narratively turn it depending on which portion of your hit points it's just taken off. Mm-hmm. So if you're a plate mail warrior, and you've just been hit for 10 hit points of your 20. I would go that that's like, that greatsword has dented your armour and like there's yeah. a lot of shock gone through and you're bruised and it, it hurt like hell. Mm. But you're not bleeding. Yes. Nothing's broken. Yeah. Whereas the one that drops you to something zero... Something gets through. Something gets through. Something has pierced yeah. the armour. Something has hit a, a weak spot. Body envelope violation. Yeah. But the interesting thing comes there, like... That's I say the interesting thing. The problem with my narrative to that. Yeah. So now that same warrior has just had ten hit points taken off by a rogue doing sneak attack. Mm-hmm. Now sneak attack explicitly says that it's hitting a weak point in the armor, mm-hmm. finding something like that. How do you how do you ratify that in the narrative? It's really tricky because like if if you if you put a knife through a weak point in the armor and you're behind someone and they don't do anything about it mm. and there is something passive about hit points. Um, then presumably that person dies. Exactly. But I think, like at, at that point, you've got things like um, this person uh, comes up behind you and you and like you spin at the last second, and so they stab you in the shoulder rather than between the ribs. Yeah. Um, I I really like near misses. Uh, so like, if it's hit you, I really like um, like uh, you you parry it, but you're exhausted, or like you throw yourself flat to get out of the way. Right, I yeah, have an it, awful it lot of throwing yourself flat. Inconveniences you. I mean, that's a bit of a weak word for it. But. Well, inconveniences you, but also like like your shot. Like uh, you've got arrows coming in. If one of the thing, one of these things hits you, it will do you. It will do you significant harm. Mm-hmm. You throw yourself flat and, and 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 roll behind cover. You're taking like like that act will do between one and three hit points of damage just from winding you. Yeah. I view them more as a um, more as like this is how this is this is how far you can push at this encounter before we start getting serious. Yeah, that works. But neither is neither is solid, and I don't really like them. So, how do you feel about massive damage rules? Uh, they don't fit D and D. D and D is D and D is a game about um, about going and duffing up a big monster and never really worrying about um, oh I've been hit in the leg yeah it doesn't really matter like there's trip attacks and things and there's special effects but you are you are a loose bag of hit points and how much you're hurt doesn't matter mm. it is not a game about about long like uh, massive damage like 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 lingering injuries having a mauled leg having an eye that's come out that is not Dungeons and Dragons you are you are shining heroes or grimy heroes interestingly I kind of like it for games like Pathfinder. Yeah. Okay. Which are a bit, which are which are very, very similar to D and D. Rulesier. 
Yeah, but more more granular. Mm-hmm. Um, and their narrative isn't isn't like D and D where you're just these god killers. Mm-hmm. You're a little bit more rough and tumble idiots to begin with. Yes. And so I like the fact that you that you can get dropped by just facing a dragon. Mm. And you have to account for that, which the rules let you do. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't really in D&D. Well, that's the thing. Like, it doesn't... It's not realistic. And I don't think that realism in games is a thing which we should go for. But I also think that it's quite hard to have a game in which you are embodying a person uh, as as yourself rather than, say, through a computer game which you have an avatar and a controller and you're quite mm. separate from the character in that way. If you are embodying a game where you're role-playing as that person, um, if someone comes at you with a sword, it's understood that it's going, it's going to do D6 plus strength damage, um, D6 plus strength modifier damage, and if you've got 12 hit points, then it simply cannot it cannot take you down. Yeah. And how does that work how is that? How do how do we rationalise these things in our heads? And that's quite tricky to like. You can't get you can't get taken down by a lucky by a lucky swipe, which is good for narrative terms, um, in terms of an ongoing campaign which goes to twenty levels, but not great in terms of having things feel scary. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting that the way and tone of hit points mm-hmm. loss. That was a bad sentence, but. I'm sure you all figured it out. Um, Yeah, it was nearly words. Yeah, sure. Um, Changes the way the game plays. Yeah. So for this, I'm going to reference video games, just because it's a more immediate thing. So Call of Duty is that non-realistic fun shooter. It's Mm arcade-y, right? So this is kind of the the D&D end of the spectrum. Yes. Where your big damn heroes shoot some men, hide behind a bin. Encounter-based. Yeah, go and shoot some yeah. more men. Um, all the guns are just press reload. It reloads. The, the core element of the universe is you are going to meet a person and fight them. Mm-hmm. And everything else extrapolates outwards from that. Yeah. What's your and counterpoint? Then, and then take a game like Receiver, which is a little <sighs> indie game, which <sighs> is absolutely fantastic. I love it to death. <sighs> Hold on, it's great. No, I, so, so, so I think I don't. I don't think it's bad. I think it's terrifying. Yes. So in receiver, there is a button for every single part of your gun. Mm-hmm. So if you're using a revolver, there's a button to pull out the hammer. There's a button to roll out the cylinder. There's a button to push one bullet out of each chamber. <laughs> then there's a button to push bullets into a chamber. There's a button to spin the cylinder. There's a button to put the safety on, take safety off. Everything. Mm. Or if you're using a um, an automatic pistol, you have to push the bullets into the magazine mm. and then push the magazine into the gun and slide everything. You have to do it all intensely. And in that, take two hits within five seconds of each other and you die. Yeah, and it's, it's while you're being chased by um, aerial drones, I seem to remember, was the game. Yeah, yeah, it's the entire... And uh, turrets, so there's no people in it. Yeah. Um, but- and so the way you lose hit points in that, <laughs> coupled with the incredibly realistic weapon use mm. completely changes the tone of the game where you're essentially doing the same thing. Yeah. And, and that's I'm, the thing, because that's, that's still encounter-based because it's within mm. five seconds, yeah. And I think that's really interesting because, as you said, like you, like games shouldn't necessarily be realistic. They should be fun. Mm. And Call of Duty is fun? Yeah. 
I think if, I, if I had to pick, isn't fun. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting game, but fun is not the word I would use to describe it. No, it, it is pure horror. It is almost impossible to complete. Chris, I'd like to ask you a question. Sorry, yes, I that's okay. kind of went away on a tangent. Beardy asks, how do you deal with the fact that whenever anyone is playing a rogue, they seem to get the irrepressible desire to steal from everything? It is a little annoying. That's an understatement. Yeah. So the first thing you can possibly do is try and push the fact that a rogue isn't a thief. No, they're a rogue. They're a rogue. Like, swashbucklers are rogues. Mm. Like, they will pick up stuff that's not nailed down, but they won't be like... While they're not looking, I'm getting in the till. I always view rogues as the default adventurer class. Yeah, actually that works. Because wizards and sorcerers and all that shit, and clerics, they've all got magic, which is crazy to start mm-hmm. with. Um, and fighters, their job is to get punched in the face, which is a really strange job. Yes. Um, and also, like, they, 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 could, they could get a job in the military. Why aren't they in the military? Just go on manoeuvres and not actually have to kill anything. Manoeuvres. Whereas... A rogue is the sort of person who would go into a dungeon and try and take things from it. Mm. And hopefully avoid a fight. Yes. You know, or like or like fight very much on their terms. Yeah, we've broken in here, we've set this fight. up. No. And so I think having like having a party of all right well, it's place in the dark, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um But they're not thieves, they are adventurers, as it were. Yes. I I'm gonna have to give the advice. No. I'm sorry. There's got to be another way. So, here's another way. Here's another way. (laughs) Just talk to them. No, sorry, go on. Here's another way. Their roguish nature, their thieving bastardry, Mm -hmm. becomes reputation. They are known for being thieving bastards. Mm -hmm. So, when they're out on the streets, the police will watch them. Hmm. So make it harder for them to steal stuff. I've always found it really hard to um, punish players for crimes. It's super difficult. Because they are, um, they are mechanically, they're designed to find a dragon of appropriate level and kick the snot out of it. Mm-hmm. So some, some fucking nose picker with a guard badge who comes around and says, excuse me, you can't... Dead. Yeah. You have, to have, you have to have the king's guard yeah. arrive, which just all feels a bit daft. It does a bit. But what you want to do is like have the nobleman so paranoid about thievery that one of the gold coins in his pouch, if separated from him for more than ten minutes, explodes. <laughs> does, does it beep red first? Yeah, obviously. Yeah. To give you a little bit <coughs> of warning. But start like like petty traps. You know players are going to use that as a, um, as a grenade, right? That's fine, but they'll, That's they'll only know that the second time. Yeah. Um, and hopefully it'll kill him on the fun. first go. And like like perhaps punishments that equal the crime. Yeah. So really minor shit. And like and like weirdly cursed stuff. Or like if if you've got a rogue that steals from everyone, you've got to assume that every rogue is doing that. Mm. Um if they're if they're just playing to type. So people are going to have um people are gonna have things in play. And also like, in a way when you do that, you are rewarding the person for coming up for putting stuff into the world. You're rewarding that person for acting in a certain mm, way. Yeah. Uh, so I guess you have to be careful with that one. Um, s- certainly don't punish the character. Uh, that is... That's... It is an out-of-character problem, I think, having the rogue steal from everything. 
um, like if they if they steal from the party, that's really shonky. I really hate that. It's such a it's such a dirty little trope that's that's carried that's just stayed. Yeah. In the game, the dick bag thief. Yeah. But like one of the things you can do is punish the party, and indeed mm. the world around them. Yeah. So if they're say they're in a, a an urban campaign, they're in a okay. in a big city, and it's like you know there's a there's a king and there's a proper government, and it's not like some corrupt Wonderland or whatever. Okay, uh, oh, I, I prefer um, this corrupt Wonderland. Yeah. Um, as they just start stealing everything, and presumably mm-hmm. all rogues are doing this, mm-hmm. the crime numbers are going to go up. There's going to be a reaction. There's going to be more police on the streets. Also, Things, are, people are going to lock their valuables up. To crime. Yeah. So some of the stuff's going to be nicked anyway. Yeah. And thus, the entire game world changes because this person keeps stealing stuff. I've had an idea. Good. I've Good. had an idea how to, how, how to deal with this problem. The uh, the first few times you let them do it, and then when they go after something sizable. Um, they find a note from ah, their rival has been oh, here, and delicious. then so at first they're like, "Oh, my rival's there." Oh well, that's a bit of a shame. And then the next time they do something really petty, just just like like stealing someone's coin purse, mm. they get it, and it's full of worthless rocks with a note from their rival. <laughs> and the next time they go to pay for something, they look in their coin purse, and there's a note yeah. from their rival and no money. Yeah, I owe you one coin purse. Lol, your rival <laughs> and dick. And so, that's going to push them into trying to find out who this rival is. He presumably has has a load of cool stuff. Mm. Um, and so, and then, and then you can set up the rival as a proper adventure. Yeah, who has guards them at their own game. dungeon and that sort of thing. Yeah, because you've got infinite resources. Yeah, and also, how cool would it be? So you're doing a proper dungeon crawl. Yeah, you know, you're on level three, and the and and the rival has already been set up. And out of the corner of your eye, like you roll perception checks, and one of you notices them in the in the dark. Mm. Like they're they're not down in the dungeon for the monsters or the loot here. No, they're after weakening your party and yeah. taking what you've stolen. They have a crush on your rogue and want to steal from him. <laughs> I think that kind of works. Also, if you don't use the rival, curse of bees. Yeah, just send bees after them. Every time you try and steal, so you steal from a witch, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, "Foolish endeavor." And this is all done off camera. Uh, so, like, you're there pawning her juju bags or what have you, and then and then and then she looks she looks into 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 her um, spare magic mirror because you stole the main one. Every time you steal the thing, it will be full of bees. <laughs> when you open it, if you don't open it, no bees. Finally, so, we've escaped from prison. A carriage, jump in! <laughs> it's full of fucking bees. At which point you're rogue. So, like, salvage is fine. Dungeons are fine. Mm. Um, uh, but, and it's sort of any nation you're at war with uh, in terms of Dungeons and Dragons, like, morality-wise. You can, you can have... That isn't stealing in the eyes of the law. But if you if you steal from someone of your of your own alignment, as it were, or someone of your own nation, then that is just full of bees. Yeah. Um, just put your hand in their pocket, and it's just roiling with a hive. Yeah, pretty much. And like again, players will find a way to make this a problem <laughs> to go into the honey business. To get yeah, to go. That's, that's the thing. They're very angry Africanized bees. 
what they're going to do is the the wizard is just going to start carrying around a big sack mm. full of very fragile glass spheres. Mm-hmm. And then the rogue is going to casually steal one and throw it like a grenade. <laughs> and then they've got infinite bee weapons. That's the thing. Like that's that's that 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 that's an agreed upon transaction. So all you do there is throw a small glass sphere. That's true. Which would also hurt. Let's be honest here. Well, not as much. Well, I'd rather have a glass sphere thrown at me, a bauble, than a bauble filled with angry Africanized bees. That is true. I mean, Although, no, stop at bees. Dogs. <laughs> think yes. Of the, think of the interior design. Okay. So you're doing your Christmas tree. Yeah. So you go to Debenhams or whatever. To get yeah. the Christmas decorations, and you steal a Hard bunch finish. of clear baubles. Yeah, and it's packed you, with bees. Like they're just moving about in there; they can't get out. You've got That's like two, amazing. three days <laughs> of bee fun, right? And then you've got a Best load of Christmas. dead bees. Yeah, that's less attractive. Just gonna steal more I get, balls. I guess there's some. I guess like I don't know whether they're like they're probably some sort of mechanical bee or some sort of like fey bee. So they just sort of um, dissolve into. Leaf litter and sticks. Nano bee. Nano bee. Like it's just a bunch of loose honey. Once they're done stinging you, yeah, they're just um, a picometer long. In fact, they stay alive until they can sting you, and they will try to make it happen. Mm. So every time you, every time you approach a Christmas tree, all of the baubles start jumping towards you <laughs> and humming, and humming, and try trying to rock themselves off the branches so they can break. <laughs> Ask me a question. Uh, Prumble asks any advice before I shamelessly rip off fiction I loved as a child for a campaign and there's a second part to this okay what's the best system to run a campaign shamelessly ripping off the magic faraway tree I don't know what the magic faraway tree is now you see this this is an issue because neither did I (laughs) okay which it seems to be a large hole in my childhood Mm -hmm. Um, so I looked this up and honestly I think that we can make the best role-playing game ever made out of really? this book. All right, hit me. So, there are three main characters, uh-huh. Joe, Bessie, and Fanny. Great names. They are the protagonists. Uh-huh. Oh, and their cousin, Dick. Mm. Fanny and Dick. Right. Who's, who, who wrote this? Enid Blyton. Why, Miss Blyton, you were spoiling us. <laughs> they then, in, so, so those three, introduce Dick... To Silky Moonface and Saucepan Man, who are their okay. friends in the faraway tree. Now, right? Wait. Silky Moonface. Hello, I'm Silky Moonface. What it, What seems to happen is that they go through the faraway tree to faraway lands. Gotcha. So, plane hopping campaign kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm going to read you the list of the lands. What? And th- there's a couple. There's quite a few, but. Is it like one book or is it several books? Uh, there's, there's a series of books. Okay. Um, Moon, so it's like Silky Moonface and, Fry, and Saucepan, and Saucepan Man. Man. Yep. Right. So, the land of Topsy Turvy. Right. A peculiar place where everybody walks in their hands and everything is upside down. Mm, Ridley D. The land of spells. Generic, but fine. The land of dreams. Nice. The land of do as you please. <laughs> The land of toys, the land of goodies, the land goodies. of the What's land the, of sorry is the land of goodies like ginger beer, bu- buns that sort of thing. It's like Graham Garden. <laughs> like the, <laughs> okay. um, uh, yeah, so um, 
uh, where are we? So the land of goodies uh, is filled with free goodies such as cake and treacle pudding. Mm-hmm. Rick eats a knocker from a resident's house, getting in trouble. Oh, Rick. I thought it was Dick. Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. He was renamed Rick later on. Yes, yeah, smart. The land of the old woman. Just a big old woman. Come the in, land- baby. It's cool. The land of magic medicines. Okay. The land of tempers and the land of presents. This, um... When was this published, mate? Uh, 1943. Ah, shit, we've got like 20 years to wait. To what? Until it, until copyright runs out on it. Oh, okay. But, like, the land of tempers. In this land, everyone has a bad temper, and if anyone loses their temper, they have to stay forever. Whoa. Is that the last book in the series? <laughs> nope. Okay. All, all, all for the books are set in the land of temper, and everyone's furious. Like Dame Washerlot's friend, oh, the old woman who lives in a shoe, comes down the faraway tree to live in Moonface's house. Okay. The children lure her back to her land, with Rick making up for his mistake in the land of goodies and saving his friends. Nice, thanks, Rick. And like the land of do as you please, Joe gets to drive to drive a train. Whoa, is that dangerous? I guess. Yeah. But like, there's the Sandman who steals children. That sounds, that sounds pretty good, honestly. Right. I like the idea of this magic faraway tree, and so you only really need to have rules for when you go through the tree. Hmm. Everything, everything else is else, just like yeah. you having to deal with your parents not believing you. Yeah. Or may, may, maybe I, I guess like you could do kind of a fun asylum thing where you've got inside the tree you have basically a full Dungeons and Dragons character, and outside the tree you have a tense relationship with your parents who keep sending you off to sanatoriums. Sanitariums? <laughs> Sanitariums, I believe. Sanitariums. Yes. Um, and that would be kind of the puppet land. Um, uh, monsters and other childish things style of going into it. Like, isn't it dark? Oh, what if it's not real? So fuck that. I want to go to the land of do as you please and drive a fucking train with zero ramifications. Yeah, like, this This is a synopsis. The three Actually, children... Sorry. Very quickly, it's mm. one thing I want to have in this game. It should be imperative that the characters learn nothing oh, from their yes. experiences. 100%. No growth. Go on. The three children make friends with colourful characters like Moonface, Mr. What's-His-Name, Silky and the Saucepan Man, feasting with them on pop biscuits and Google buns and sliding down the slippery slip which spirals down the inside the trunk. Climbing the tree involves dodging the dirty washing water from which Dame Washalot pours down the trunk at regular intervals and avoid avoiding peeping in at the angry pixie who throws things at those who poke and pry. Now, I don't mean to alarm you, but was Enid Blyton writing, in fact, a design document for a middle-era Mega Drive game? Possibly. Because that sounds very much like she wrote that just for the game. Excitedly, the children explore lands like the land of Take What You Want and the land of Dame Slap. <laughs> there's no fucking... There's the land no... of Topsy Turvy, the land of Spells, the land of Goodies, the land of Dreams, mm. and the glorious land of Birthdays. I like how there's no real convention to the lands. No. It's not like, oh, the elemental plane of... Nope, it's just whatever Enid fancied that day. The elemental plane of Give Me My Gin. The elemental plane of advance, please. <laughs> the, elemental, the, the elemental plane of Harold, it's your turn to let the dog out. <laughs> That's neat. I didn't realise she did like fantasy. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, I think the best way to do that, I'd probably look into something like Into the Odd or something mm. very straightforward. Into the Odd, uh, the black hack for doing the for doing the bits when the kids go into the adventure place. Yeah. Um, and then something which allows you to come up with all sorts of bullshit and not have to worry too much about specific DCs, that sort of thing. Or it's going to be very freewheeling. You could make it ter- a terrifying nightmare running Torchbearer. Nah, I'm alright. I just like the idea that like these, these lands drain you. I want to bring up Torchbearer. So when I was at Please. Chris's house, when I was at Chris's house, I had I had a quick look at Torchbearer. I hadn't really read it before. And listener, and also Christina, do you remember the first time you read a role playing book and you were like, "Oh, this is interesting. There's so many different terms. There's so many different terms in here. I don't understand them. Wow, there's a world in here. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Torchbearer made me feel like that again. It is the it is the um, role playing equivalent of the song Like a Virgin by Madonna. <laughs> In that I went into it, and I, I do not know what the core mechanic is, and I read that thing for a fucking hour. Yeah. I think it involved D6. Probably. But there's well. there's so many different... Oh, I'll be honest with you, I don't need a burning wheel very well. Okay. Um, there's so many different mechanics that just don't exist in other games. Yeah. And it keeps it keeps referencing them in ways I don't understand. So there's something, something certainly fascinating about Torchbearer. Uh, but it seems like there's rules for fucking everything. Yes, it does cover a lot of its bases. Mm. Which I find, as a GM, only gets in my way. <laughs> These so-called rules can only slow you down. And often they make me do things that I don't want to happen. Yeah. So and You could just make it up. Can just, I can just say what happens. I'm the GM. You don't understand. I'm the boss of this. This is, this is not an equal relationship. This is not a democracy. I'm the no. GM. I've got master in my title. Are you the master of anything? No. No. Ask me a question, Chris. Oh, I asked you that question. You asked me that question. I'll yeah. ask you one. you got to do it now. That's sorry. how this works. I'm sorry. Samuel asks, best in-universe explanation for experience points? That's tricky. Because there's oh, such I... an abstract thing. I think... I mean, there is Big Mike. There is Big Mike, which we have talked about before on the podcast. Yes. Uh, Big Mike is the god of adventurers who can... His adventurers can detect potential XPs or EXPs, as they mm-hmm. call them. I think you can think of a bit like midichlorians in that adventurers draw more of them towards them, or yeah, thetans. I mean, in, I mean in, maybe um, it's a sufficiently magic campaign that the way that, the only way you can advance to the frankly superhuman levels mm. that D and D characters get is to draw more magic into themselves, and they do that by killing magical creatures. Ah, that's kind of fun. Yeah. So f- you kill a goblin, you get. A, a trace amount of yeah. these magical moats. Kill a dragon, you get a big pile of them, and you can absorb them. If you think of it in terms, uh, it's kind of cool. Like also at the end of at the end of a fight in Shadow of the Colossus, when those black tentacles just smash into you after a dragon fight. Mm. I think as well, you could think of it in terms of potential fate. So, like okay. the more powerful the creature is, the more of an impact it can have on the world. When yep. you kill it, you stop it ever having an impact on the world again, and you take that power from it that oh, potential you, like, energy yeah the potential energy of it that that's really yeah. clever like you think, yeah and like and, and so like if you think of it in legendary terms so like legends are stories and therefore narrative has weight um the reason why you um the reason why you get better hit points as you level up is not because you're a better fighter it's because you're less likely to die because you're becoming more important that's really good 
and so, thank you, I'm a games designer. And so, um, as you cut down more and more of this potential energy, what you're doing is leeching the legend power from these monsters. Mm. And, which, and 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 that's that's why like um, dragons have zero problems duffing up uh, low level guards and stuff. But once you get a single high level dude, he's got the weight of legend behind him. Yeah. Well, that is kind of fun. But what if it's what if it's constant? <laughs> Go on. What is it, what if it's the thing that you can never destroy energy? Oh, I see. So if that character dies because a dragon breath hit him, the, the dragon, dragon gets up. that energy and levels up. Yeah, okay. Uh, I or I suppose like you've got the difference between monsters and people is that is, is it like people can can channel that into levels and monsters can channel it maybe like you've got it into their lair or into possibly yeah but I just love the idea yes, that could, if, yeah, you, if you fall to a monster yeah that that, that energy goes powerful. somewhere yeah and now like that makes fighting a dragon that much more scary because if you if if one of you dies during the fight you're screwed because you're level 15 mm. and that dragon's going to get 15 levels of XP worth I suppose it would probably work a bit like, if you think of it in terms of sides, it's not like one person gets all the XP for killing the dragon. You don't kill steel, but it's shared between the group after it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of, and it's kind of implied, a bit like hit points, that it's an organic process. So you've learned and then you go back and you, you, apply, this, you apply this information, this experience to your learnings and to your training and to your teachings. And then from that you can cast Fireball more times per day. Yep. Rather than just instantly, after you push this goblin off a cliff, bing! Oh, I can do fireball more now. <laughs> um, so I think you've got the capacity to apply that to the dungeon as well. So rather than just there is a dragon and or like there is a goblin, and the goblin that kills you bumps up a level. Uh, like the goblin that kills you bumps up twenty levels when he kills you. It's more the area becomes more dangerous. So yeah, sure. I guess, so, I guess so, what I was thinking was like. The, a group of goblins would share the XP like an adventuring yeah. party. Yeah. But a dragon generally <laughs> is a solo creature. I suppose I'm thinking more about the dragon's lair, the dragon's guards, the drag and and so and so like rather than just a dragon instantly bump up to level twenty, you've got um, the the terrain around his uh, around his lair becomes more um, treacherous and deadly. Um, his horde increases in size. His co- the the kobolds who fight for him um, they attract like he attracts more kobolds because of his legends. Or they have or they they are stronger and they are more cunning. They like they get names. I mean that's actually bizarrely easy to do. It's not hard. Like it does because require tra- monsters to have levels. Right, do three d six worth of damage. Do they? Okay. Just to say, it does three d six. Yeah, sure. Damage. Okay. Give it a give, give that type of trap a level, mm-hmm. and you get forty six damage. Right. And the DC is harder. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can use the X. Exp- so, say you've got no, it's just a dragon. Yeah. In his lair, and he gets fifteen levels. He spends five of those levels on himself. Mm-hmm. Five on traps, mm-hmm. and five getting some kobolds. Yeah. So he gets five levels worth of kobolds. Kobolds are what one quarter webs, yeah. You know, so he gets a bunch. whole bunch of kobolds. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That is that's kind of that's kind of. I mean, it would require some bouncing, but I really the idea is like when you go up against the king, you'd best not miss. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as it were. But even like like if someone gets taken down to it, if someone gets taken down 
to, like from a lucky hit, then mm. that guy is suddenly I uh, I took down the big adventure and now I'm your boss. Yes, and so like, like um, Shadow of Mordor, the exactly Lord like of Shadow Rings of Mordor. Game. What we've just described is the nemesis system. Yeah, um, but I really like the idea of a goblin landing like landing a last hit and suddenly like like his eyes glow. He his eyes glow. He starts hovering a little bit, uh, like with this with this temporary sort of Highlander legend um, quickening transferal, mm. and uh, and like and like the the previous goblin uh, the previous goblin goblin leader turns to look at him and he points at him and his head explodes. <laughs> I'm the leader now. Or even like you can have some wonderfully <laughs> mythical figures that are just bizarre. Mm-hmm. So you can have a goblin that learned learn learn how this worked. Like he killed a farmhand once. Yeah, and got the magic power out of it, and now all he all he does he follows adventurers about kill stealing. Oh, and shanks them. No, no, not necessarily them. Like oh, no, the sh- goblin, sh- sh- they're, tr- they're about the kills. to kill. Yeah, takes the XP and runs. That's an interesting idea. So, so I suppose like you, it wouldn't be per party. It would be for, it would be on kill stealing, and as a, a as a legendary ban, you can choose to invest that in yourself or in your party. Oh, mm. and so basically, you'd have like a party level as well. Yeah. Which you can choose to buff, so it would be like, oh, we uh, were this were this legendary uh, mercenary unit, were, were the Argonauts, yeah, as opposed to were Jason. Hi, yes. we're Jason. And like you could you could level up like how much health you get back when resting in towns, um, you know, gaining yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, or uh, or what people think of you, how yeah. easy it is for you yeah, to your get your reputation. Jobs. But how interesting would it be just to have this this goblin that's trying to ascend to the godhood of goblin of being a goblin? Or just this goblin who's trying to ascend to adventurer. Yeah, and he's just kills him. Like, he's level 20 now. He's still a goblin. <laughs> but he's still a goblin. And also, <laughs> after you... No. He don't, he don't want to pick that fight. That's not worth it. Yeah. He's after but, whatever trash you're not killing. And I suppose that's, that's going to take a much longer time. Because, yeah. like, most people don't have... I suppose most people don't have levels. Mm. Yeah, um, so they don't like, have that, that anima, that... Oh, and once you like when you get your first level, that's a bit like do you remember Hunter the Reckoning when you awoke? Yeah. Um, oh, sorry, but also to, to listen, this isn't funny. We hope it's quite a good idea. Um, sorry, we, got, we just got into a very interesting game. <laughs> but you take um, so you had this awakening scene where it was basically uh, they live. Mm. Uh, that film where um, I think it's Swayze puts on the glasses and they see like the like the consume on the billboards and that sort of thing. He puts on the glasses which lets him see everything as it really is. Um, in Hunter the Vigil, you've got like kill him appeared on a on a um, on a wall with a big arrow pointing at some normal looking dude, and it's up to you whether or not you do it. But it's it's like these these ineffable spirits calling on you to try and right the wrongs of the world of darkness, um, which was totally not my bag. I much prefer Hunter the Vigil, where you go so mad you decide it's time to go and strangle vampires. <laughs> good luck with that. Uh, good luck with that because they don't breathe. But. Um, Having like something happen to you to make you an adventurer, and now you are an adventurer. You 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 have this you have this legend knocking around, mm. and you and, and so and so you're now not like normal people. And so like maybe a couple of people in village in the village have a level of legend. Yes. So maybe like maybe like the captain has the captain has one. I mean, it's, shit. There's mythic levels in Pathfinder, which I presume do something like this. I honestly don't know. I don't know. I think they're just like an extra level you can put on top of your character. Yeah, I I, I assume they're like um, epic levels. Yeah, probably. Which were um, bobbins? I think I think they're like epic levels, but you can have them at lower levels. Sure. Um, 
and so like so like you've got these local hero guys and everyone's everyone's faintly scared of adventurers because they know that they know that they're like they're just going to go and kill things to their level <laughs> and um and like and let's let's say like when you say sack a hit like an evil temple mm. you're killing it in inverted commas yeah and you take the experience of that you've got and these also, you've got these legendary deeds and it's wonderful that it kind of it kind of also describes becoming an adventurer Mm. Because if you are a farmhand, you can go out and grind goblins. Until you find one with a level. Until you find one with a level, <laughs> and then you take the level, and that's the point at which you become an adventurer. That's interesting. And so, like, you could get a potion of level. Yes, but can you imagine how expensive that oh, would be? Oh, my days, yeah. And also, also, just how dangerous it would be to have one level in you. Yeah. Because suddenly, everything powerful. around you... Think how terrifyingly powerful whites are. Oh god, I wouldn't have level draining in this game. I would. Well, that's the thing, you can't destroy it, so I guess they'd get it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Alright. But you don't put in like 20 of them. Like, no, you know, like, oh shit, it's a you, white. You'd have one who's the villain. Yeah. Damn. Good. Shit. Um, so I mean, so like we've got this, and we've got blah, the Toad God who coughs up magic items, um, and the, far, we, the lands of the faraway tree. Should we just uh, just not bother with this upcoming Spire Kickstarter? It seems like a lot of work. We could just release one shot settings. Yeah, maybe we we, we could go like we, we could go the Green Ronin route and just write interminably long three point five source books and just lots of them. Just so yeah, many. Just go for the scatter shot approach. <laughs> Something will stick. Ask me a question, Chris. I would love to. How does GMing affect your playing by Nimlauf? Nimlauf. It means I never shut the fuck up when I'm playing. That is true. To the point where I will I will voice NPCs when I'm playing. Mm-hmm. And kind of as a joke, but not 100% as a joke. <laughs> um, I'll just like, and I'm so used to as GM thinking, oh, here's a fun idea for a thing. I'm going to throw this in rather than like as a player it was like, no, Grant, you're not allowed to do that. Yes, that's not you're your not, place. Like, like that's, that's that's not your place. And I'll just start. I will uh, like the GM has to work so hard to keep up with me. Yes, I think it there's a exhausting. reason I don't get invited to many games. Yeah, you're you're so used to being in a dominant position. Mm-hmm. In the game world story, yeah, that taking that back seat is very difficult. As, as well, so like um, I was, I once played in a game of Magister Law, which is uh, the sequel to Lady Blackbird. Oh, okay. Uh, and we we didn't have enough players for a GM, or like we decided we only had four players. So we decided we'd play it without a GM. Okay. And I start, and so like I started making suggestions about other people's characters, oh, and right. I kept getting shot down. But basically, it was so like what what I, what I kept doing was I kept making offers to push like to make things more exciting. Okay. So like there was one guy who was um, saying how he uh, who was clearly intending to like to raise some leviathan from the depths of the void. That was his plan. And I was playing the defender of this sanctuary, and so I said, "Wait, what's that? I I can hear I can hear chanting." Uh, heavily implying that this guy started, and this guy turned to me and said, "No, you can't." 
and then did something else before he did the chanting. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and it's like, I get it, it's your character. Yeah. But I just kept getting these offers shot down. And it was really weird, because, like, I'm not saying they were doing it wrong. It's we were doing it very differently. And so, like, I, I'm i really excited when people make offers for each other's characters and push back and forth. And it's like, oh, I'd rather you didn't do that. How about we change it to this? Or, actually, I want to do something else first. All those lines, rather than... Yeah, uh, but it's like one person knowing karate and the other person knowing kung fu. You both know how to throw a punch, but you throw it differently. Yes, but you, in that situation, you can still have a fight. Yes, no, I do understand that, but yeah. it's the fact that you're, you're you're doing the same thing. You've been taught to do the same thing. Yeah, but you've been taught in such wildly different ways that they're mm. almost incompatible. I and I think that part of being a good player, which is an important thing, very. Part of being a good player is being able to adapt to new groups and being able to make yourself um, fit into new places and have fun with different groups and uh, change what you a, do. A chameleon at the tabletop. A chameleon, yes. How about you? I don't know. I don't get a chance to play. No, that is true. Um, um, I occasionally get to do a one-shot. Yeah. Um... At which point I'm kind of... During one-shots, I'm very much at the mercy of the GM. I view you as, a, as an NPC. Yes. Like, um, I will happily go along with pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, 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 tr- I trust in GMs a lot. Yeah. Because the, the way I GM, I ha- my players have to trust me. Mm. Because it's so loose. Because it's not this linear, mm. um, necessarily causal thing in some cases <laughs> um, it doesn't make sense there's got to, there's, there's got to be a level of trust from the players so yeah. I just automatically place 100% trust in the GM they know what's going on I'll do my own stuff obviously you know like I'll yeah. role play my character but if the GM says or, you know something like oh this this box looks iffy yeah you're like, oh you want me to look at the box got it done yeah I won't I won't go like I'm going to check that box for traps yeah, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna push my face with my mouth open into this box. Yes, I'm I gonna eat whatever's in this box with my eyes closed. <laughs> it's a bit like um, it's a bit like there. I, I think there's a level of literacy as well, like which which can be applied to uh, can be applied to GMing and, and be applied to like uh, to playing. So if you sense a GM's going towards this sort of thing, but doesn't want to say it outright, yes, it's a bit like um, playing uh, any Rockstar game released after San Andreas. <laughs> uh, a little fun fact about any Rockstar game released after San Andreas when they sort of had like the new HD um, universe they, they they view the universes as uh, technically separate yeah uh, so they, there's, there's no continuity between, the, between Grand Theft Auto 3 and Grand Theft Auto 4 but those games have a way in which you in which you complete missions especially early on like you, like it'll say chase this guy and it'll give you a slow moving car but you have to get into that car because it's cleared all of the cars off the road so you don't crash into them and yeah. what it's doing is without without teaching you it's like here is here is a low stakes slow thing to to take to to to, to do to teach you the basic fundamentals of the game but it isn't saying that because it wants it to be a smoother experience and if you don't go along with, oh, I see, I, I have to do this bit here. I understand. I'm being taught this. This is what the game wants me to do. This is what the, this is what the developers intended for me to do. Then you have a much smoother experience, but it isn't necessarily emergent. 
And yes, I think and I think you can apply that to fun. Sorry? And potentially isn't as fun. Potentially isn't as fun, but potentially is much more fun. Because yes. because because you don't know what blocks they've put in place to ha- to have you do this, yeah. Um, which so and it's uh, it's it's it's, it's like ver- uh, emergent play versus hand holding and a very different and much wankier topic, <laughs> um, which is more suited to a video games podcast, which again does not exist. No. Well, our video games podcast doesn't exist. No, there are other video game podcasts. I presume. One last question. Okay. Count Ravioli asks, what are some good locations for samurai to have samurai fights? Uh, a supermarket. Uh, inside their own minds via squinting. Ooh, VR. On a train. In a train. On the side of a train. In a ruined train. In the dressing room or green room of the band Train. Inside a factory... That makes trains. At the last concert of jazz legend John Coltrane. That would be actually pretty fucking cool. (laughs) During a very, very high-profile wedding on the trailing uh, wedding dress. Ah, I see. Mm. At a... Apprentice skills teaching day. Mm. Where everyone's training. I was, see, I was going to go R.E.F. Malvern. What? Just to, well, just to throw it off to the it's, side. It's, it's, no, it's an R.A.F. base where they. Train. Oh, and they have training. I see. Right. Okay. Um, I think we've it's run the out of R.A.F. base I've ever been to. So that's <laughs> <laughs> okay. what I know. It's only one I learned to fly a plane. That's certainly. So essentially, like you've got the standard samurai ones, which is. Uh, a cherry orchard, cherry orchard, a bridge, um, pagoda, pagoda, that sort of stuff. On um, sticks in on water. Sti- You've got uh, like a rainy, muddy street. Mm-hmm. Palace, yes, of some kind with an army behind each samurai. Yes, which is largely irrelevant. Completely irrelevant. They're just set dressing. Mm-hmm. As part of a recollection. Oh, a, a memory fight. Yes, memory fights are good. Thanks. And I believe that's every... Oh, on water. And then that's every scene from the film Hero. <laughs> and half of Zatoichi. <laughs> I, Which is mainly battles in mud. There was a really lovely uh, column. So the chap who wrote Wushu... Um, Daniel Dan Bain. Bain wrote a column for RPG.net, which was fun places to have fights in. Mm. It's a very important article. Um, a series of articles. Mm. Uh, one of them was up the side of a building, and then and so and so, and so he just he'd have this is a fun place to have a fight. How on earth could you get here? Yeah, uh, and it and it inspired me. So I used to run a lot of Wushu as a as a as a GM, and so I have still have somewhere shit on one of my computers, or maybe it's lost to the ages now. A list of cool places to have a fight and things that might happen in them. Mm. Um, and you just like was it? opium dens, hospitals. Um, Destruction derbies, a concert, a concert, um, a landslide, snowboarding, a ski lodge, on a ski lift, Can other places take... at a ski. Sorry, sorry, Karen. No, I didn't have anything else. Okay, um, <laughs> if you're looking at modern samurai, 
there's a lot of really interesting places you can have. Like, I jokingly said at the beginning, a supermarket. What is a modern samurai? You mean like a PMC? <laughs> no, I don't. No, like, I mean, like, if you're making a film, and like Highlander. Sword fighters. Sword fighters, but they're samurai. Right, okay. Whatever. Like, a, a supermarket is an excellent place for a samurai fight because it's a long, thin aisle. That's true, actually, yeah. You've got a lot of nice shots there. Yeah, you've got an awful lot of really interesting camera angles and really interesting things you can do. Like when when the the swipe misses, it cuts through the milk cartons. Yeah, or like like a load of Pringles tubes at a precise angle, and all yeah. the Pringles flop out. Or like a car park, you're standing uh, on cars and the alarms are going off. That is the first fight scene of Highlander. Yes, that's why I, I said it. I don't know. I, there's not enough in a car park for me. I like more props. I like more people. Okay. Jump. Well, a ferry. Better. Do you remember we were playing in that game of Wushu? And we had a fight in a corridor, and I asked the GM what was there, and he said, oh, nothing. Yes. I mean, it's a corridor nothing. in a house. No, nah, it's just not much there. There's like a phone? Like a chair? No. Carpet? Probably not. Then again, in that same Wushu... Well, not that same Wushu game. In, in a Wushu game, we did drive a car up the Gherkin in London. Well, it was magic. It was magic. But my point is, you can have a fight anywhere... Yeah. Think we about had, the cinematography. Had, um, Albert Einstein's grandson, the... who had the capacity to ask physics, uh, ask physics to stop for a bit. Yes. So you drove a car up. God, that was so much fun. That was a good game. You summoned, you summoned Shubnigarath out of a book. Yes, I did. To, to hang on to a plane. No, yes. a, a helicopter. It was genius. Chris, Chris was great. That was probably the, the last time Chris played in a game. It was yeah, 2005. Some, yes, some decade ago. Um, I think that's good. I think that's it. All the, I mean, so, so we've named all the places that samurais could have fights. It does all like, possible. Like, traditionally, it's not on that list, have fights. It's completely impossible. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say on the wing of a plane. Yes. Uh, in a giant clock. While parachuting. Mmm. High stakes. Mmm. Exactly. Uh, I guess it's very much going to come down to one swipe, M- much like most fights, huh? Yes. Especially samurai fights. Um, like Jitsu. Yes, I think that's good. Let's a busy road. S- a busy road. You see, now you've taken a car park and moved it up a notch. Yeah, I've made it into Frogger. <laughs> oh, an arcade. That's good. That would look like, good. But like, like an old arcade. So yeah, like, like an 80s arcade. 50, People are smoking fags in coming there. out whenever you hit a machine and there's neon and it's too loud. You would also get to children. Have- You'd also get to have the gag a lot, like like if it was a casino, like one of, one of the um, samurai would stumble back into the casino, um, and it would it would it would uh, sorry it would stumble back into the fruit machine. It would go mm. ding 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 bar bar bar. All of the uh, have you any wool? Uh, it would it, it would say all of the things, and then all the coins would come out, and the old lady would be like, Rawr! but she wouldn't know it's the fight going on because yes. she's you know very old. Uh, that would be fun. Um, and you've maybe got like expert waitresses trying to like deliver drinks around them on roller skates. On roller skate, a roller derby, a yes. roller disco, roller disco, an ice rink. I've, I'm or scared of ice rinks. rinks. I need to be scared. It's just hard water. But if I fall over and I hurt my bottom, <laughs> you can do that anywhere. I thought it's much easier when I've put knives on my feet. Not if you know how the knives work. I fall over on my bottom, and then all the children steal my hat, and my head gets cold. 
We, we get, That's I, what you're afraid of. I get on a bus all the way to Newcastle, and we go, or Keswick or somewhere, and then we go and I fall on my bottom, and the older children steal my hat and throw it over my head in a joking way. And That's the thing escape. that really happened, isn't it? Uh, no. No, I was too busy, <laughs> I was too busy kissing girls. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was, oh, mate, I was relentlessly bullied as a, as a, as a primary mm. school child. Um, but I, I wasn't quite big enough. Oh, I was off. Oh, yeah, I was bullied the entirety of primary school, and then I moved to secondary school, and no one really gave a shit about me enough to bully me. <laughs> <laughs> brutal, <laughs> absolutely brutal. It's a survival tactic. It is. Just like you get so weird that people don't even want to pick on you. Before we get any further, before we get any real into, into the nightmare of your youth. Mm-hmm. Shall we say how much we love some people, tell them about Twitters and Patreons, and then leave them to their day? Chris, this is the closest thing I got to therapy, but yes. <laughs> I'll stay in the call after. Thanks, man. So, if you like this, you can back us on patreon.com forward slash hearty dice friends. You can sling us some cash, we'd really appreciate it. Come hang out in the Discord, uh, and also join our exclusive uh, Destiny 2 cult. League? What the fuck do you call the teams in there? Clan. Clan. I don't play. Chris loves it. It's so good. Um, I don't. I'm, I. I honestly, honestly, I'm not good enough at PC shooters to play, or indeed any shooters to play. Chris is, and there is an active clan. Mm. Um, they were talking about explosive bows recently. Uh, I did the textual equivalent of nodding. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you can chat about things that aren't destiny. It's really nice. We've got lovely, yeah, no, there's other Discord. Uh, you can ask us a question or follow us on Twitter at HDF Podcast. And finally, you can send us a big, long, chunky question if you send us an email to heartydicefriends at gmail.com. We love you. You, listener. Just you. And if there's two of you listening, the tallest... The one on the right. If, if there's two of you listening, the oldest player goes first, if you know what I mean. <laughs> We love you, and we, we've got a special message f- for you. We've printed it on a banner, and we've hung it up in your flat, or house, or box, or room. Domicile. Domicile. Lair. We've gotten a load of streamers, and it says, we love you, on a big banner. And you and all of your friends are going to be here, because we've got all of your friends, and, and we and them are hiding behind furniture, waiting for you to come home. Um, so you are gonna have you're gonna have to act surprised because if you don't act surprised, you're gonna fuck this up for everyone. Yeah, and honestly, when you do act surprised, don't be too loud because you will startle the two fighting samurai. Yes, that are currently um, at your surprise party. <laughs> when is it? We're gonna end the episode. When is it best for the samurai to fight? Is it while we're all hiding behind the surface? Yeah, so we're hiding. They're walking through the corridor <laughs> to their door. <laughs> and they, all, they, all they hear is the clang of steel. Yeah. What's going on in here? And then they open the door. The samurai pause. We jump out and yell surprise. The samurai continue. I would like it if the samurai do not pause. Okay. Either, uh, like, like the samurai does that thing where one of them dashes past, the other one crumples to the floor, and then... <laughs> <laughs> or, or like one of them or, 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 or like the fight continues apace while mm-hmm. everyone's like yay woo and then one of them kicks the other one through the window and then they leave 
or they have a slice of cake. Yes. Because we got cake. And they cut out two perfect slices of cake. Oh, perfect. Oh, that's nice. nice. And with that, we will leave you. Goodbye. Goodbye.